Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. Welcome back to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am here with Chloe Hammond. She is an author from the UK that um, I had sent a tweet out on the app formerly known as Twitter. Um, You will never hear me call it by its new name, Um, but I had sent a request out and she had responded and asked to be put on my guest wait list. I had a spot open for today, so I messaged her and um, invited her on today. Luckily, she had some time uh, to come on and chat. So we are going to talk. We're going to laugh. We're going to have a great time. And we're going to talk books. We're going to talk life. And we are going to talk everything in between. So grab your tea, grab your wine, grab your laundry, Caroline, and we're going to get started. Chloe, how are you doing today? I'm very good. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah, Miserable weather again in Wales, but <laughs> I've, I've been in work all day, so I didn't have to go out in it. Oh, that's, yeah, that's good. Um, I I was actually thinking when we were talking before um, we hit record um, that your your accent did sound Welsh, um, and I should have, I should have brought that up. Well, the Welsh accent is actually my favorite um, of yeah. the, yeah, it is, it's my favorite of the UK accents. Um, sorry to all of the other the other British people. I'm sorry. Um, it's it's the vowel sounds. Um, it's how you guys pronounce your vowels. It's just absolutely beautiful. Um, it's also the one accent that I cannot emulate. Um, I I have yet uh, to figure out how to imitate it. Um, Irish Irish is tough. Um, I haven't figured out how uh, quite how to do uh, Irish. Welsh is even is even more tough. I I struggle with even attempting a Welsh accent. So uh, whenever I get to listen to it, uh, when I watch BBC, um, Doctor Who, Torchwood, um, any of the the British shows, and somebody comes on with a Welsh accent, I get super happy. So um, it's this is going to be really really fun um, getting to listen to your accent for the next hour. Um, so before we get started, um, just introduce yourself just a little bit. Uh, let us know uh, when you started writing, um, why you started writing, and just one or two things that inspire you. Lovely. So yeah, I'm Chloe. Um, I was actually born in Liverpool, but we moved to Wales when I was seven because my granddad was Welsh and my mum wanted to go back to his roots. Um, and it was not long after we moved to Wales, actually, that I had a really lovely primary school teacher who started teaching us a bit about poetry. And that was got got me hooked, was that learning how you can you know, wrestle with words and make them draw pictures. And um, so writing and, and English was always my favourite language. Uh, topic in school and then when I got to university I discovered that you could actually do creative writing as a degree after I'd got there because I I was there to do behavioral sciences so I pestered my poor lecturers till they just gave in and let me do a chunk of creative writing throughout my degree and they were like we don't even care that we can't not supposed to do it we'll make it work we'll make it work so yeah I managed to do creative writing and that was definitely my favorite subject all the way through uni and then I'd always I'd always just planned I was going to write I was going to be a writer but I got this concept in my head that it had to be perfect I had to have the perfect amount of time, the perfect physical space to write. I had to plan it and and 
create a perfect literary masterpiece and and it just didn't happen life was just well, it way, never does yeah no absolutely not what life was way too chaotic and busy and I am a rather chaotic and busy person on top of life being busy and chaotic indeed if I was younger I'd definitely have been diagnosed with a whole array of things so I just like to call myself neurospicy for that because I think that's <laughs> But yeah, I I just I just couldn't. So I'd absolutely loved my job. I worked um, with homeless teenagers at that time. I also fostered troubled teenagers, and I absolutely loved it. But as you can imagine, it burned you out. All of my life was about looking after other people, and then about ten years ago, I really started to suffer with my mental health. I was starting to pay for years and years of not looking after myself at all. Well. And I developed some really horrible um, anxiety to the point where I was actually hallucinating sounds. So I'd just have fallen asleep and I'd hallucinate the doorbell ringing, all sorts of things like that. It was really unpleasant. And one of the other major symptoms was I was having some really vivid nightmares. Now, I've always been somebody who's dreamed vividly, but these were like really, really vivid. And then... I was just determined not to let it beat me. I was just determined to to fight through and find out what would work for me. So I started writing the scenes that I was having the nightmares. And I realised that actually they flowed into a story. And once I'd started with the, the nightmare scenes, writing them out, these characters just like crashed into my brain and that was it then. They've dictated my brain for the last 10 years. <laughs> And so I, I started writing and I was doing it in secret. I wasn't telling anybody because, I, you know, that whole thing of imposter syndrome and, oh, it's not any good. And I'm not going to tell anybody they'll laugh or I'll set myself up to fail. I won't do anything more beyond this. So anyway, there was this um, book publisher trying an experiment to see if they could um, take book ideas and get enough people to pre-order to pay for it to be published. So I signed, I sent them my first couple of chapters on the idea of what I wanted to do. <laughs> and they emailed back and said, oh, yes, please, can you get it to us in two weeks? And I was like, yes, of course I can. And I wrote like a fiend. And you know, it only needs to be a first draft. So I was an absolute fiend. And I sent it to them. And then I'm like, right, I've sent it to them. Now I need to tell everybody else that I'm doing it. So I, I sent it to my best friend and she was like, I love it. And, you know, I've got so many ideas. So then my mum wanted to read it. And there was like, it's pretty spicy. <laughs> and she goes to me, how do you think you were bought? that <laughs> mother. <laughs> so anyway, I let her read it and then, the, the publishers loved it and they wanted me to, you know, to carry on work, working on it, pad it out, perfect it and everything. So me and my best friend and my mum sat in the kitchen and we all like you know, created, we just like wove this this complete alternate world in, 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 together with words. And, and then I went away and write it, wrote it and they'd read it and, you know, oh, yes, this and oh, what about, because I'm a visual learner, so I can feel like I've, explain something and actually there's stuff missing so they were like picking up any bits like that that I'd missed and everything um and I, I managed to get it finished um as it is I, I left that publishers because it, it the model just didn't work for me in the in the long term but I was really grateful for them for for believing me in that you know that first place so I decided to self-publish initially instead and put all the work into choosing a lovely painting to be my cover and all the rest of it. And while I really enjoyed getting to know other writers in um, Facebook groups and Twitter groups and get to know reviewers and doing page takers and over and all of those sorts of things, when it came to the like nuts and bolts of marketing, it turns out I'm diabolical. <laughs> I just haven't got that killer instinct to say, buy it. <laughs> so ultimately, my um, 
a woman that I really admire started her own boutique publishers a couple of years ago and she's picked my novels up which was an amazing feeling so I'd written book one and that was all great and then I started book two and my best friend was my best um cheerleader she she was I don't think anybody could walk past her out there saying read a book read a book <laughs> she was brilliant um so I just started writing book two and my best friend dropped dead of a brain aneurysm oh. Out of absolutely nowhere, uh, leaving two little children behind, and it was just horrific. So that grief just knocked me reeling, and obviously because she'd had such a major part in everything—the creation, the marketing, everything—she was just a, a really um, integral part in everything. That it took me a long time then to be able to to get back into it, um, and then. I just sort of finished book two and got that published and was about to start book three and along came COVID and scared the life out of me. My husband's older, he's got just about, it was like when you were looking at, you know, the, the extra things you had to be careful of. It's like he ticked every box, it's like they'd written it for him. So very stressed for that while. So yeah, I've only literally just finished writing the third book because it's a trilogy. Um, and I'm I'm in the process of madly trying to edit it because it's going to be released on Halloween. So <laughs> editing like thing. Luckily, my mum was a teacher, so she's able to go through and correct. I've got terrible grammar and terrible spelling, and she can go through and put all those bits right for me. So yeah. So okay. that's, that's how I ended up writing and why I write. <laughs> So what is what is something that inspires you? Um, well, I told you that I mean the initial inspiration came from the nightmares, which can be a bit dark, but it's it's that keeping the balance from my mental health is very important for me as well. So this is why I let go of worrying too much about marketing because I needed to find the pleasure in it and retain the pleasure in it and the other thing is that having worked with the vulnerable kids all these years um when you work with vulnerable kids unfortunately you come across an awful lot of predators and one of the really frustrating things in life is realizing that actually the justice system can't deal with the really bad ones very very well so that can be very unpleasant and you can get really angry about it. So my novels are actually about vampires and they're morally, the, the, my main two characters are determined to remain human, you know, hum, not human, but keep their humanity and very morally good. So the group of vampires she's with had been hunting um, people that wouldn't be missed, so destitute, vulnerable. And she turns all that on its head and they go hunting the monsters instead. So she's like um, setting traps for them using bait on Facebook and, and thing, on social media and things. And I got a real load of pressure writing that, and, you know, having, having a go and, and take out the monsters. Um, and you know, like animal animal abusers, anything that like really gets me in the heart, I send a vampire after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm, I'm sure I could probably give you a few people um, <laughs> that we could send some vampires after. Um, it's I, a rewarding I, feeling. You just, <laughs> I'm sending Ray after you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I've had um I I work um in a job that part of my job is um not not pleasant and I I don't want to I I try not to give too much um away about my job in in public spaces like this and um you know I I don't I don't give away like the name of where I work on social media, you know, or anything like that. I'm just, I'm super, I try to keep the, just that part of it just really, really private. And, um, 
you know, so there's, you know, just a couple parts of my job that I have literally looked at my husband and, you know, just told him this is my least favorite part of my job. And he, he has looked at me and he has said, do I need to go after somebody? And I'm like, you know, if I wouldn't be breaking about 15 bajillion laws, I would totally. <laughs> but I would be seriously, I would be breaking the law and then I would have the, you know, the guilt on my conscience yeah. if something, you know, were to happen because of that, you know. And so while... You know, I see things that happen and I see reports of things that happen. I, my job is not justice, you know, and while I wish it were, while I wish I could put on that superhero uniform and while I wish I could put on that mask and while I wish I could grab my nunchucks or, you know, whatever, and just go after yep. them. And, you know, you want to do this? Okay, I'll do the same to you, you know, kind of yeah. thing. It's you kind of just have to do those things in your head and give your, give your brain justice and move on, <laughs> you but, know, because, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, because the, there is a, while it doesn't always work and it doesn't always succeed in the way that you wish it would. And while, you know, especially in America, our justice system is not the greatest. It, it just isn't. It's still there for a reason. And we still have programs and we still have systems and we still have things in place for a reason. And those programs and those systems are in place to keep people like me from putting on that superhero uniform and from putting on that mask and from grabbing our nunchucks and, you know, from keeping pure anarchy from reigning. You know, it's, it's not always just to punish the wicked. No. It's, it's you know... Sometimes it is to keep the the good people from allowing anarchy to reign. Because you know, you know that if there weren't those systems in place, that especially people like my husband, who doesn't feel guilt, he doesn't process emotions like guilt and regret the way that, you know, someone like me does, he would be like Arrow, you know, the DC superhero, you know, he would be the vigilante and he would be out there protecting the kids and protecting the innocent. And there would be absolutely no guilt whatsoever. But, <laughs> you know, so, you know, like I said, before we started recording, I'm going to let the conversation go where it's going to go. Um, let's just philosophize about um, superheroes for a minute. Um, and so what, you know, coming from the, um, the behavioral sciences side of it, um, you know, when I went to um, what you call uni, um, I, we call college here, college and, and university, um, they are actually two different things, um, but we tend to kind of use them interchangeably. Um, I did study psychology and um, I did take um, a couple classes in developmental psych and um, abnormal psych, two of my favorite classes ever. Um, but coming from the, the behavioral sciences side, what, what are your thoughts on um, the, you know, what I was talking about, the, the vigilante and, you know, what, 
what we would do if vigilanteism were possible and you know i think it's really important to think about how often a rumor can spread out of control and how much damage can be done by a false rumor in a week or two but it's only words and they get set right eventually you know people can still have big impacts on their mental health and, and what have you and, and the um the um careers and and all of those things from a lie or a rumor but if you had vigilantes who acted on that lie or rumor straight away and there was no court case and there was no due process and there was no proper investigation how many people could end up dead or harmed because somebody said something that wasn't true and we know people lie for a whole array of reasons and sometimes it's deliberate and sometimes it's accidental because they're just passing on something they've heard or worse still misheard and i think for that reason a proper court case a proper justice system is essential it's it's what keeps us civilized. Yeah, I um, there's there's two things that that come to mind um, when you um, when you bring up the the need for an investigation and the need for for a court case and um, you know all of that. And one is um, the TV show Dexter. Um, have you yes. heard of? The heard of that where he is um you know it's it's one one side of the argument where you know basically it's playing devil's advocate for that where he is basically a vigilante um but he was raised taught trained in order to make sure in order to investigate in order to make absolutely positively sure that the person that he was going after actually created the crimes for which he was punishing that person um and so there's there's that side of the coin now while i am not saying that was right um his father basically taught him and trained him and um you know put him in those situations in order to protect him and in order to give him an outlet for his for his sociopathy for his brain damage basically and on the other side of that coin which again is sort of playing devil's advocate is um the book the innocent man by john grisham i don't know if you've have you read that where that was actually um based on a it was based on a true story and it was um, a, a man in Oklahoma, um, I wanna say Enid, which is a, a small town um, in Oklahoma. And um, a, a woman gets killed and the, the cops basically decide that they know who did it. And instead of following the evidence to who actually committed the murder they take that evidence and they fit it to who they are determined committed the murder and the the man that they um end up arresting and charging and ends up convicted of this murder um has he maintains his innocence the whole time though all of the evidence against him is circumstantial he has an alibi um that they completely ignore and he ends up in jail for something like 30 years for for a crime that he did not commit so you know while i completely agree that we do have these justice systems in place for a reason um to keep anarchy you know from reigning and um you know 
rumors never do anybody any good. Um, whether they are taken up by a vigilante, whether they are spread by somebody who thinks they're doing the world some good by saying, did you hear about so-and-so? Um, it's, you know, there's there's never anything good that comes from rumors. and But there's not always something good that comes from an investigation into rumors either but it but i think it depends on the the morals of the person investigating because in the case of dexter if you you know if you looked at him and you know and somebody told you there's a sociopath vigilante killing people, you automatically think evil murderer. You know, that's that's where your brain goes. But as you watch the show, you know, even the, the first season, so that I'm not spoiling like a whole ton of things, you know, he doesn't process emotion very well he doesn't understand emotion very well but he is one of the most kind and most morally strong people even though he is a sociopathic serial killer but then you also have these people in the innocent man that they are supposedly the good guys and but and they're doing something that's morally reprehensible yeah so you know it's you know we could probably sit here for three hours to you know to psych you know psychology loving people you know we could probably sit here for hours and talk about the differences between those things and bring up multiple examples and juxtapositions are always fascinating and that's where the interesting stories sit my mind is those gray areas you i always think it's when when i talk to people and they think there's a really straightforward black and white answer to one of society's problems i always think they're very innocent because it it doesn't take much time of exploring and looking and meeting people and reading. And so when you find those very difficult moral issues in between where somebody can be officially on paper doing something wrong, but in reality, they're not a bad person. They're put there by circumstance or they are actually doing good. And I mean, in my writing, what I did is I made it that blood contains memories so the vampires can access their victims' memories. Now, most of the vampires, the the, the greedy vampires, um, abuse that system and they go after people and, and want fun, interesting, exciting memories. Um, but Ray and Layla, they go after the bad people. So the memories are used just to assess and confirm the person's guilt. So if she were to catch somebody she thought was a monster and then find that actually, no, it was, you know, a misunderstanding in any way she performed, she'd let them live and she'd go after the next monster. So because it's a book, I can put those nice, easy fixes in. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's the great thing about, you know, writing books and you know writing stories you know is you can you can create you know whatever you want to create you know if you want to create a book where everybody flies go right ahead you know if you want to you know create a book where everybody is telepathic and nobody actually talks out loud go right ahead nobody's going to stop you and i personally would actually read that book <laughs> um, yeah yeah that would actually be really interesting so any authors out there um if you want to you know write a book where everybody is telepathic please 
um, knock yourselves out. Um, I may actually add that to my story prompts um, page on my website and see if anybody can come up with something interesting for that. Um, but, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's, you know, the, there's the, the morally gray stories and the, the people who, you know, they could be doing something wrong for the right reasons, or they could be doing something right for the wrong reasons, you know, like I'll be watching a, um, a TV show. There was actually, um, a, one of my favorite TV shows that I probably watched it 15 billion times. Um, it's an exaggeration, but it, I've watched it a lot of times. Um, it's called uh, Warehouse 13, um, and it came out years ago. Um, and there's one episode where the, um, and I, I'm really sorry, but I, I'm going to spoil the episode. <laughs> really sorry, guys. But the, um, they go after bank robbers. And the, the reason that they're going after bank robbers is the how they are robbing the banks, like what they are, what artifact they're using to basically make the people inside the bank forget that they were there. And the, um, the person who was basically leading these, this group of um, three, I think it was three bank robbers, was the daughter of a famous musician who was suffering from um, cancer, I believe, as well as some sort of weird dementia. And he was, you know, basically dying. And he had been screwed over by his um, music publisher and his music publisher had basically stolen the rights to all of his music leaving this super famous singer and musician almost destitute because you know this music producer you know claimed the rights to his music and was like, I don't have to pay you royalties because this music is mine. And so it's, you know, I don't have to do anything. And so the, you know, his daughter was robbing these banks to get the money together to go and buy the rights to this music back from the music producer for her dad. So robbing banks no not, not great um, music good <laughs> and yeah i mean so she could get her dad's music back for him before he died great you know and so they the artifact that they were using was <clears throat> um was really interesting because it um created like a, a resonance type of and the name of the episode was actually resonance um and it created like this resonance type of feedback which made anybody who heard it just really happy and just felt really loved and so they you know it would just kind of cause a blackout almost so they didn't have to use guns. They didn't have to use weapons of any kind. They didn't, you know, they weren't killing anybody. They weren't holding anybody hostage. And so it was probably the nicest way <laughs> to, to rob a bank, you know, but it was still robbing a bank, yeah. which, you know, on paper, it's not great. But when you look past all of that and you see the motives behind it and you see why this daughter was doing all of that and, you know, and I'm really sorry to anybody who's never seen the episode. I did just, you ruined like, it. I completely <laughs> ruined the whole entire episode. I'm really sorry. 
Um, there is some stuff that happens like throughout the episode that's really cute that I didn't bring up, but yeah, I basically did just <laughs> I spoiled the whole thing. Um, so I am really sorry about that, but um, but it's you know if you look at it on paper, bank robbers, serial bank robbers. There was like five banks that they robbed. Did you so watch it, the boys? I did. Uh, again, you know, the, the, it's veneer of them being the perfect superheroes, but in reality, the power has completely corrupted them. Again, yeah. I, mean, that's, I, I love that series. I think it's so well done. Yeah, Star, um, Star, what's what's her face? Um, Star, yeah. Yeah, she was, she's my favorite. She, yeah, she was, she's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's my, my husband loves that show. I, I struggle with some of the gore. Um, yeah, it can be and, pretty brutal. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I struggle with some of the gore um, in, in that show. But for the most part, yeah, I, I do really enjoy it. And the, um, the, the lead um, superhero, the, the like, Captain America dude, he, so well <laughs> he makes me just homicidal. I mean, I'm just like... They need to figure out a way to kill him because <laughs> he just really needs to die. I mean, just bottom yeah, line. Utterly awful. He doesn't have a single redeeming feature. It's he really doesn't. Yeah, he really doesn't. It's I um, to write a character that utterly dislikable. Right? Um, so speaking of utterly dislikable, I I am going to bring up a book. Um, since this is actually a bookish <laughs> podcast. Um, I every once in a while I will I will bring up this book because it's um, it's one that I proofread for a friend of mine. Um, his name is Jimmy Pete, and um, he had asked me to edit it um, a while back. I do not know if it has published yet. Um, last I knew, he. Um, had it on Amazon, um, but he um, was struggling with finding a genre for it um, because apparently, apparently Amazon does not have a contemporary fiction genre listing, um, and there's not really a genre for completely dislikable characters. <laughs> um, but the name of the book is No Choice, um, and once it publishes, I I I will recommend it to anybody um, because for the very reason, <coughs> excuse me, for the very reason that there is no character in the entire book that has a redeeming quality, not yeah. a single gray book. It's incredible. I, I actually had him on the podcast a while back to talk about the book. And, you know, I, I told him that as I was editing it, I, I could not put it down because I needed to know who was going to die. <laughs> you know, I was like, I, I really didn't care if I got to the end of the book and he literally ended it with the words and everyone died, <laughs> I wouldn't have cared. I was like, that would have been to me, that would have been the perfect ending to that book is just the words and everyone died because not like none of them, you know, I was like, there was one character that I thought might, might have like a couple of redeeming qualities but then she called someone the N-word, and I was like, yeah, okay, I now I, I hate her too. Yeah. <laughs> and redemptive arc is crashed and burned. <laughs> and you know, but that was that was what made it so utterly readable. Was you know, there's there's some books that you you love and you adore and you can't put down and you binge and you know 
because you have this mixture of characters that have, you know, you have some that have no redeeming qualities and you have some that have are half and half and you have some that are so utterly good. And, you know, so you have this mixture of characters and then, you know, you have a book like this one, like no choice where no one, like everyone annoys you. Everyone is awful. Everyone is, I believe I used the word despicable several times um, throughout my chat with Jimmy, where everyone, I mean, just utterly despicable. lost yes i just lost part of my part of my chat i i don't know exactly what happened i was you saying that all the characters were utterly despicable yes absolutely despicable and it's just it's one of those books that you you just can't stop reading because of that and i I will recommend that book to anyone. And I, I really, really, really hope that he is able to get it published um, and get it set up on Amazon very soon because <clears throat> I, I have several people um, that I have told them about it and they're like, I need this book. Like I need this book. And the, so I'll I'll give you a, a quick rundown of the of the premise. The the one of the main characters is a um, plastic surgeon who is a an alcoholic who also will occasionally dip into the um, stash of um, anesthetic and um, stuff. Not anesthetic. Um, um, stuff, pain, pain stuff and, and sleep stuff that he uses for his, for his surgeries, but he replaces it with saline in order to, yeah. So whenever somebody goes in for surgery, they may or may not end up with like half or a third or none at all of the pain meds that they need for the surgery. Yeah. That's, that's wicked. Yeah. And his wife is a, um, so I, I want to call her a socialite, but she's been, um, a client of her husband's for so long that, um, there's pretty much nothing real left. She's like all silicone, um, basically a, a, a wrinkled Barbie, um, and she, um, has, her, she's never had a real orgasm. So her, and I'm really sorry for listeners. Um, I don't normally bring up subjects like that, but her, um, basically her character arc is her search for that particular. Yeah. Um, and her, then the janitor of the husband's um, surgery clinic is a self-professed like voodoo priestess who um, is determined to like, become a nurse or something along those lines. And so she will um, like talk like upsell the clients into like extra procedures that they don't actually need and um then tell the doctor that you know he has to give her a um a commission because she upsold these these customers but he's broke because you know customers aren't actually paying all this <laughs> and so he keeps so he keeps like not paying her and you know so then she's got a, a boyfriend who is just 
really annoying. And so there's, you know, and then there's a, um, an insurance salesman who is like in a, some sort of Ponzi scheme where he, um, like goes to people who are dying, um, and gets them to sign up for these like super amazing insurance, like life insurance settlements, um, and turns over like their life savings basically. But then he doesn't actually put it in the computer. Um, so when it comes to, when the person dies, and it comes time to cash in the life insurance policy. Oh, well, you know, we don't have a record of that. Sorry. You know, well, yeah, but we paid in cash. We paid you $60,000 in cash. Well, we don't have a record of that policy. So, yeah. And it's just, I mean, I kid you not when I tell you that it is, everybody in the book is just absolutely despicable. Just absolutely horrible people. And... So, but I cannot recommend it enough. Like, like I seriously can't. It's, it's so much right. fun because you just, it actually sounds similar to the chimings of the book that my friend Alex Williams has written about vampires. And for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of his actual novel. It's got a beautiful cover, but his, his characters are like that no redeeming features and <laughs> you know he, he's he's brave enough to go in there and expose the dark side of humanity it's it's clever writing it really is it it takes a lot of um imagination to yeah. to be able to write you know a character with you know or multiple characters um you know in jimmy's case with no redeeming qualities i mean yeah. it yeah. it really does and it it you know it does take a lot of imagination to write books with characters all across the spectrum of humanity i'm not saying that it doesn't but it really does take a special type of imagination to to go in and say okay I'm not giving these people they're all, hateful. <laughs> they're all hateful and they're all despicable and they're all just you know from the the dregs of humanity and you know it's I I really did just want to get to the end of the book it was a page turner it really was I I could not put it down and I really did just want to get to the end of the book and have those last words be, and everybody died. I mean, I, I really did. And, you know, I, the, what kept me turning pages was I needed to find out who died. You know, I, I knew that someone was going to. I, I didn't know who, you know, it, it was, it was fairly predictable in, in that regard, um, that there, there was going to be a death of some kind at, at some point in the story. Um, I, I don't think that I'm spoiling too much, um, in that regard. Um, but what kept me turning pages was I needed to know who it was. Um, even if it was multiple people, I needed to know who, and I needed all of them to, honestly, <laughs> because they were so awful. And, you know, so I, I really do hope Jimmy, if you're listening, um, to this, I, I really do hope that you get to, um, to have this book, uh, get it up on Amazon soon. Um, because I talk about it enough that. <laughs> I know if there will probably be like some pretty hefty sales right up front, um, just from how much I have talked about it. Um, and the, the people who are like, okay, I got to check out these, these despicable people. Um, and you know, I got to see if Pam's right uh, <laughs> on, on just how awful these people are. 
trust me, I'm right. Um, listeners, um, they're, they're, they're awful. Um, so, okay. So we've got probably about 10 minutes left. Um, do you have any quick, um, book recommendations for our listeners that you can think of? I know I just put you on the spot, but, um, off the top of your head, do you have any? Um, I have got a really good little group of indie author friends because hello I'm now with this boutique. Uh oh. And if, ooh, and if somebody wants to support some indie authors and find some quirky books that are a bit unusual, a bit off the beaten track, if you look for Claire Evans, she does some brilliant books, and Angelica Rust, she has some some really good books as well. Um, I'm actually probably going to still be linked with them on Amazon because we did some anthologies together to raise some funds for charities as well. So our names often are linked with with uh, with each other's on Facebook, uh, on Amazon. So if you look for me, you'll probably find them. So it's Angelica Rust and uh, Claire Evans. Okay. And what are the what are the names of the books that you um, have published right now, um, including the anthologies? So um, my two books that are published are the first two parts of an anthology. Um, it's the Darkly Vampire Trilogy, not anthology. Sorry, my brain stopped working. The two first parts of a trilogy. It's called the Darkly Vampire Trilogy. And book one is called Darkly Dreaming. Book two is called Darkly Dancing. And book three will be released for Halloween. And that is called Darkly Dazzling. And then the anthologies. Something and other dark gifts. Give me one second. I'm going to have a quick little look on Amazon and find them okay um so while you are looking that up um i'm also going to um once you have those and um you let us know about those um let everybody know where they can find you online and come hang out yes i I'm on Facebook. You can find me as Chloe Hammond. I've got a picture of my book cover as my uh, like avatar. Um, and I've also got a two author pages because I'm greedy. One is Chloe Hammond author. The other is Darkly Dreaming. Um, I'm on Twitter. Yeah, I still call it Twitter, but it's always going to be Twitter. I still call Opal Fruits Opal Fruits. It's, it's always, always going to be Twitter. <laughs> and it, I'm on there. I'm Chloe Hammond, author. Um, I am on LinkedIn, but I'm not very good at it. I am on Instagram, also not very good at it. Um, and I'm on Threads, the new Threads, which is like a friendly version of Twitter. Um, and on there, I'm Chloe Hammond, author as well. Oh, these book covers are amazing. You like them. I do. So the anthologies, um, it looks like are currently unavailable on Amazon. Um, one is Hearts and Other Dead Things. That's it. Yeah. And the other one is Gifts from the Dark, a Miscellany of Dread. Um, but they are currently unavailable on Amazon. So if um, we might have to look um, for... Uh, maybe Barnes and Noble or um, check with your publisher and see if there's um, any other places that they're available. Cool. I will, I will ask, it was actually Angelica who led on those. So I'll ask her if she's aware they've gone out of publication. It might just be that she just doesn't have the time to maintain it because the money was going to charities. Obviously that took quite a lot of work for her to try and keep on top of that. So it might just be that she just didn't have the the admin time anymore. That yeah. happens. Yeah, that happens. Um, yeah, running running a company is um, 
time consuming, uh, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I, I am probably the epitome of that. Um, the, the admin stuff alone is insane. So I, I would very much uh, prefer to just be able to go online and hang out with everybody and talk and, and chat. And when I'm not doing that, you know, go and edit books. Um, I'm like, I, I don't want to have to go and, you know, actually like do keyword research and, you know, yeah. Um, I don't want to do any of that stuff. Um, newsletter. <laughs> yeah. Um, news. <laughs> I, yeah. My, my newsletter, I, I struggle. I, I love writing it. I forget to write it. Um, I, it's absolutely terrible. I am so sorry to my subscribers. I promise like every week I'm like, I'm going to write it every week. Like I tell my, my subscribers, I'm going to write it every week and they all get really happy when they get one. And then it's like two weeks later, they get another one. And I'm like, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, that's one thing that I, I hesitate to blame on my ADHD, but I know is definitely, definitely <laughs> because of my ADHD and I, you know, I, I read the, the articles from, you know, bloggers and, you know, the blogging gurus and, you know, all of that, they're all about the batching and, you know, go and, and batch your newsletters. And I'm like, well, yeah, but my newsletters are actually like current news. So I can't write them ahead of time because I don't know what's going to happen. So I can't batch them, but then I forget to write them. <laughs> So, yeah, um, it's, it's a struggle bus, uh, for sure. Um, so I am really sorry to my subscribers. If you are listening, um, I, it is something that I am working on trying to, um, trying to get better at. It is not something that I take for granted. I, I absolutely do not take my subscribers for granted. I am so happy that they want to hear from me. Um, but yeah, that's, that's like the, you know, I love writing my blog posts and I love writing my book reviews and I, that's something that I struggle with too. So, um, yeah. Um, but, um, I am getting better at it. We'll just, you know, move on. Um, every day is, I'm like, today I will do better. Is like my mantra every morning is today I will do better. I, honest, I honestly believe there is more value in doing less frequent, but completely genuine. Because if you churn something out that is, is not from the heart, is not relevant, is not, you know, a genuine piece of you, People aren't yeah. going to engage with it. Yeah. I, I, I will have to, yeah, I will have to figure something out. Um, I, I may just have to tell people you'll hear from me when I have news to share instead of. That, that's what I think of every week. Warning all my subscribers mm -hmm. is that life is chaotic at the moment. I will write when I can tell you when book three has been released. <laughs> In the meantime, try not to catch COVID. Yeah. <laughs> that was the last one I sent because I am that bad. <laughs> um so um okay well if you will um shoot me an email with um all of your social links um yes. so yeah. that I can include them in the show notes um and the titles of the um uh, or the authors actually that you um have recommended um, any yeah. specific books yeah. Um, that you can think of um, that you would like to recommend um, that you maybe didn't think of during the episode. Yeah, I'm so bad at thinking of actual titles. Um, 
I'm really pleased with their names because I names are one of my blank spots. <laughs> well, I I will not be um I will be posting this episode tomorrow. So you've got just a little bit of time. So if you want to take a couple hours this evening or something and maybe think of some books that you would like to recommend uh, that you would like me to include in the show notes, just shoot me an email um and let me know. Um otherwise um, I uh, I appreciate so much uh, you taking some time out of your weekend to come and chat with me. Thank you so much. I had an absolute blast. I love hearing about your books. I will definitely check them out. I love vampire books. We'll wait until Halloween so that I can buy the whole trilogy all at once. Um, but I will for sure check them out. A few people doing that. They keep saying to me, have you done books for yet so I can read them? I'm like 100% understand because that's what I like to do. I like to buy the trilogy and binge. And hey, if you put the, if you release the whole trilogy in an omnibus, um, I tend I'm to buy really those. hoping that my, my publisher is going to do that. I've got other meetings. Every time I think I've got other meetings with us, something else chaotic happens for us she's just got one of those lives she's also got adhd she's diagnosed as an <laughs> brilliant because she is brilliant but also yeah she just has one of those lives so i am going to pin it down and say please can we do an, an omnibus collection yeah, I, I love i love those i tend to buy them um more often than i will buy single books yeah. Um, so yeah, be sure to let me know if you get those, get one of those released. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I love that you, um, were able to come and chat with me today and okay. I will talk to you soon, Chloe. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank Have you. Have a great weekend. And you. Bye.